Chapter Fifteen of Tom and Some Other Girls by Mrs. George Dehorn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Drawing near. A week after revels had taken place, the very remembrance seemed to have floated away to an immeasurable distance, and only wonder remained that any interest could have been felt on so trivial a subject from morning to night and from night till morning the same incessant grind went on for of what rest was sleep when it opened the door for fresh torture as for instance when a cambridge examiner condescended to the unfair expedient of kidnapping a candidate's wardrobe leaving her to decide between the alternative of staying at home or attending the examination room attired in a robe de nuit on other occasions it appeared that by some unaccountable freak of memory one had forgotten about the examinations until the very hour had arrived and was running running trying to overtake a train that would not stop not though one leapt rivers and scaled mountain heights in the vain attempt to attract attention it was really more restful to lie awake and study textbooks by the morning light which came so early in these summer days or so thought rhoda as she sat up in bed and bent her aching head over her task her head was always aching nowadays while occasionally there came a sharp stabbing pain in the eyes which seemed to say that they too were inclined to rebel it was tiresome but she had no time to attend them now it was not likely that she was going to draw back because of a little pain and physical weakness she never complained but amidst all the bustle of preparation the teachers kept a keen eye on their pupils and rhoda found more than one task mysteriously lightened no remark was made but miss mott reduced to the amount of preparation miss bruce sent an invitation to tea which involved an idle hour and shortcomings were passed over with wonderful forbearance only miss everett croaked and dearly as she loved her rhoda was glad to keep out of miss everett's way just now it was unpleasant to be stared at by eyes like gimlets to be asked if one's head ached and warned gravely of the dangers of overwork when i went up for the cambridge senior began miss everett and the girl straightened herself defiantly on the outlook for sermons when i went up for the cambridge senior i was not at school like you but studying at home with a tutor my sister was delicate so an old college friend of my father's came to us for three hours a day he was delightful a very prince of teachers and we had such happy times for he entered into all our interests and treated our opinions with as much respect as if we had been men like himself i remember disputing the axioms of political economy and arguing that a demand for commodities must be a demand for labour and the delight with which he threw back his head and laughed whenever i seemed to score a point instead of snubbing me and thinking it ridiculous that i should presume to dispute accepted truths he welcomed every sign of independent thought and there we would sit arguing away two girls of fifteen and sixteen and the grey-headed man as seriously as if history depended on our decision 
later on when i was going in for the examination i joined some of his afternoon classes at a school nearby so that i could work up the subjects with other candidates there was one girl in the class called mary mcgregor a plain unassuming little creature who seemed most ordinary in every way when i first saw her i remember pitying her because she looked so dull and commonplace my dear she had a brain like an encyclopedia simply crammed with knowledge and what went in one ear stayed there for good and never by chance got mislaid you may think how clever she was when i tell you that she passed first in all england with distinction in every subject that she took she won scholarships and honours and went up to girton and had posts offered to her right and left and practically established herself for life well to go back a long way to the week before the cambridge we had preliminary examinations at school and had worked so hard that we were perfectly dazed and muddled then one day magister as we called him marched into the room to read the result of the arithmetic paper i can see him now standing up with the lists in his hands and all the girls faces turned towards him then he began to read total number of marks one hundred kate evans eighty nine sybil bruce eighty two hilda green seventy one so on and so on down and down and down until it came to thirties and twenties and still no mention of mary or of me the girls faces were a study to behold as for the magister he put on the most exaggerated expression of horror and just hissed out the last few words laura everett twelve mary mcgregor ten we sat dumb petrified frozen with dismay and then suddenly he banged his book on the table and called out no more lessons no more work i forbid any girl to open a book again before monday morning off you go and give your brains a rest if you don't wish to disgrace yourselves and me give my compliments to your mothers and say i wish you all to be taken to the circus this evening he nodded at us quite cheerfully and marched out of the room there and then leaving us to pack up our books and go home mary and i cried a little i remember in a feeble helpless sort of way but we were too tired to care very much i slept like a log all the afternoon and went to the circus at night and the next day i skated and on saturday spent the day in town buying christmas presents and by monday i was quite brisk again and my mind is clear as ever i have often thought how differently that examination might have turned out for mary and for me if we had had a less wise teacher who had worked himself into a panic of alarm and made us work harder than ever instead of stopping altogether i am convinced that it was only those few days of rest which saved me there cried rhoda irritably i knew it i knew there was a moral i knew perfectly well the moment you began that it was a roundabout way of preaching to me if i am to have a sermon i would rather have it straight out not wrapped up in jam like a powder 
i suppose you think my brain is getting muddled but it would go altogether if i tried to do nothing but laze about i should go stark staring mad i must say evie you talk in a very strange way for a teacher and are not at all encouraging i don't think you care a bit whether i get the scholarship or not yes i do i hope very much that you will not wait a moment now i am very fond of you rhoda and i hope with all my heart that you will pass and passed well i shall be bitterly disappointed if you don't but i want kathleen to get the scholarship she needs it and you don't it means far far more to her than you can even understand in one way perhaps not another she wants the money which she could have in any case but she is not half so keen as i am for the honour itself and after all that's the first thing i can't do anything in a half-and-half half way and now that i have taken up examinations i'm just burning to distinguish myself it would be a perfect bliss the height of my ambition to come out first here and go up to oxford and take honours and have letters after one's name and be a distinguished scholar written about in the papers and magazines like like yes like miss mott for instance what then rhoda stood still in the middle of her tirade and stared at the speaker with startled eyes miss mott no indeed she had meant nobody in the least like miss mott the very mention of the name was like a cold douche on her enthusiasm the creature of her dream was gowned and capped and moved radiant through an atmosphere of applause miss mott was a commonplace hard-working teacher with an air of chronic exhaustion when one looked across the dining-room and saw her face among those of the girls it looked bleached and grey the face of a tired worn woman the idea of working and slaving all one's use to be like miss mott rhoda exclaimed contemptuously but miss everett insisted on her position miss mott is a capital example you could not have a better she was the first student of her year and carried everything before her her position here is one of the best of its kind for she is practically headmistress she would tell you herself that she never expected to do so well i think it's very mean of you evie to quash me so it's most discouraging i don't want to be the least like miss mott and you know it perfectly well it's no use talking for we can't agree and really and truly you are the most unsympathetic to me just now miss everett looked at her steadily with a long tender gaze i seem so rhoda i know i do but it is only seeming in reality i'm just longing to help you but as you say you think one thing and i think another so we are at cross purposes come and spend sunday afternoon with me in my den dear and i'll promise not to preach i'll make you so comfy and show you all my photographs and pretty things and lay in a stock of fruit and cakes do it will do you good but rhoda hesitated longing yet fearing i'd love it it would be splendid but there's my scripture i want to cram it up a little more and sunday afternoon is the only chance 
i'm afraid i can't until after the exam evie dear i need the time a wilful lass must have her way quoted miss everett with a sigh and that was the last attempt which she made to rescue rhoda from the result of her own rash folly henceforth to the end the girl worked unmolested drawing the invariable list from her pocket at every odd moment and gabbling in ceaseless repetition nerved to more feverish energy by the discovery that her brain moved so slowly that it took twice as long as of yore to master the simplest details she felt irritable and peevish disposed to tears on the slightest provocation and tired all over back and limbs aching head smarting eyes weary dissatisfied heart did every ambition of life end like this did it always happen that when the loins were girded to run a race depression fell like a fetter and the question tortured is it worth while is it worth while what was the right motive of which evie had spoken what was the vicar's meaning of success they at least seemed to have found contentment as a result of their struggles rhoda groped in the dark but found no light for the door was barred by the giant of self-will chapter fifteen